5AA Nights with Matthew Pantelis. As it is a Tuesday night, we will be talking uh, science as we do. And Sarah Brooker joins me from Science in Public. Hello, Sarah. Good evening, Matthew. Now, Sarah, I can't believe, I know you're in Melbourne. Uh, you did quarantine over there, or not quarantine, lockdown. For how long was mm-hmm. it? Three, six, nine months or whatever? I've been three days with a, a sick oh. child, and I'm a, sort of already climbing the walls during the day. So, <laughs> total hats off to anybody in Melbourne that went for months. Oh, I know. It, it challenges the brain, Matthew, does it not? <laughs> it does a little. It does. <laughs> so, anyway, all right. Let's talk some science. And the first story from Flinders Uni, removing mercury from water. So scientists are onto this. How clever is this? So one of your, so this is a local research team in Flinders. They've produced a substance that can literally suck mercury right out of the water, which I thought was delightful. So they've managed to create their chemists and in their lab, they've used sulfur and um, a byproduct of petroleum refining called dicyclopentadine. But I just love it. They're using waste products from petroleum refining, combined it with sulfur, and they've got this substance which they've coated into pipes. And so the pipes um, can literally suck the mercury out of the water. They've also found that it's, you know, it protects it against corrosion. So if they're metal pipes, it's not going to corrode. If they're mm. plastic PVC pipes, it protects it from solvent damage as well. Wow. It's a very clever bit of chemistry there. So it sucks it into the pipe? I mean, if it just sucks it to the surface of the pipe, it's not out of the water, is it? Well, it would suck it out of the water and into the substance itself. Right, now, these right, researchers right. have been working on this for a while. I don't know if you would remember. So five years ago, actually, it's longer, oh my gosh, 2015, so that's seven years ago, mm. this same group accidentally discovered, I love this, they accidentally discovered that they could remove mercury from water using, um, again, industrial waste and orange peel. Do you remember that story? No. So they used sulfur and limonene, limonene, so orange oil, the main component of orange oil and sulfur. And what's delightful is that limonene is, is quite cheap and sulfur, well, you know, it gets produced in 70 million tonnes a year by the petroleum industry, again, as a byproduct. And they kind of combined it into this sort of soft red rubber, and that red rubber could grab mercury out of the water. So you could literally throw it on, you know, rivers and lakes and other waterways, and uh, you know, if there's areas that contaminated. They also found that it changed colour once it had absorbed the mercury, so it could actually detect if the waterways were polluted. So now I don't know if it's that exact combination that they've now used to coat in the piping or whether it's another combination. But this research group is, um, is, you know, one to watch. Yeah, clearly. And I guess that material will be coming out in a pipe somewhere near us all soon. Possibly, because, um, you know, if it's got that protective component as well, as well as being able to remove mercury, you know, you've got all of these, um, so many, such a wide range of use for it. Mm, mm, and it's obviously, in, um, in all... you know, it's big findings because it, it made the front cover of the journal. So, okay. you know, if you get the front cover, it's, that's pretty yeah. impressive. Yeah, right, it is indeed. And, and, you know, there'd be parts, yeah. absolutely, parts of the world where that would be so vital as well. So, um, good, good discovery. Um, the tiger prawn, the humble tiger prawn, its genome has been mapped. 
its genome has been mapped. Do you eat prawns, Matthew? Do you like prawns? I'd love prawns. Love you prawns. do? Okay. Mm. I just looked it up to sort of see how popular these prawns were. So they're about $23 a kilo. Um, okay. If, you know, if, if you're looking at woolies. Um, yeah. so the black tiger prawn, yes, so they've just mapped its genome. In mm. northern Australia, it is the biggest aquaculture industry up there. Wow. And in fact, across the world, it's the second most widely cultured prawn species. Mm. So that's quite important to understand a bit more about it because it's popular for, for farming, for culturing, because it, it can tolerate salinity and it grows quite quickly. But it is vulnerable to fungus and to viral infections and bacterial infections. So now that they've sequenced the genome, it, it took them six years, and the genome is about two-thirds the size of the human genome. Um, so right. it's apparently quite complex. Um, but now that they know the genome, you know, the researchers or the aquaculture industry, you can selectively breed like we've done animals and plants for years, you know, for better mm. growth or disease tolerance and, and support the industry. It's fantastic. You know, so yeah, yeah, yeah. So obviously um, that, uh, that'll allow them to breed them, what, bigger or healthier or whatever the case may be. Um, yes, the phrase they use is good consumer attributes. <laughs> good <laughs> well, consumer attributes as well. That's right. So now that, you know, they can grow faster. Um, I think the, the mm. key thing the researchers were interested in is that um, disease tolerance and by understanding how the genes will respond as well. So they can then research put the prawns in different um, tanks with different environmental, you know, more saline water or more sunshine and watch how the genes respond. So if they see that this prawn responds better to more saline water, then they can actually breed it that way if they wanted to. Right. Okay. Mm. okay. And for us who have been in lockdown, we've done lots of puzzles here in Melbourne. Yes. And I thought it was quite delightful. This researcher had said that this genome is quite tricky. It's like... <laughs> putting together a 1.9 billion piece double-sided puzzle with no wow. borders, long repeated overlapping sections, millions of missing pieces, multiple pieces that can fit in the same place, no picture in the box to follow, and possibly lots of pieces from other unrelated puzzles. Unbelievable. And yet Which, succeeded. Um, uh, yes, and they've done mm. it. Yes, Unreal. I would have, I think, tossed the puzzle into the bin for the salvos. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Probably after five minutes. Uh, and I tell you what, talking of puzzles, prawns, a new word to uh, use in the wordle tomorrow, so I might start with that one. So, oh, that's um, oh, gosh, yes. Yeah. Science uh, can help Chile, the country of Chile. Yeah, look, so this is not a, a research finding, Matthew, but I, I just I thought I'd stick with that optimistic note, and I just thought it was hmm. delightful. Three days ago, Chile got a new president, so this chap is called Gabriel Boric. He's only 36 years old. Wow. And what I loved is he's actually he enlisted scientists in his election campaign, and now he's given them some of the jobs in his administration. Mm. So this guy, like 10 years ago, he was part of the sort of student protest moving, movement demanding um, you know, high-quality education for all. Um, a month ago, he announced a female-majority cabinet, 
And, you know, one of the, his environment minister is a very well-known climate scientist with a PhD in atmospheric physics. And she was one of the authors on the, um, you know, the IPCC report. So I just, it just gave me optimism for the future. Mm. 36. President, can you imagine what have I done with my life? (laughs) I know, I know. And actually, when you look up some of the photos of him, there is one where he literally looks like a farmer with a... um, we call those shirts that are checkered. Oh, yeah, check shirts, flannel shirts, yep. <laughs> that's it, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> I thought you were going to say 10 years ago he was in nappies before, but no, uh, anyway, no, 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 not, almost. Not, not that far, not that no. far. Yesterday was the 14th of March. I normally keep abreast of this, Sarah, but I totally forgot it was Pi Day. Oh, I know, I kept this one in for you, Matthew, because I remember Pi <gasps> Day last year and you had a remarkable memory. Only to the first, um, I'm just jotting them down now. I'm going to count them, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, let, not, nine, nine numbers. So um, that's as far as I go. Well done, well done. So, yeah, look, this, I threw this one in for you because yesterday was, was Happy Pi Day. It's the International Day of Mathematics. So um, pi is an irrational number because there's no repeating patterns in it. Mm. Um, it describes the ratio of the circle's circumference, so that's all the way around the circle to its diameter, which is across its belly. Um, so, you know, you calculated it to what, nine decimal nine, places, yep. you can remember? Okay, yep. so if we know it with 10 decimal places, so, so what, what's the use of knowing pi? So if you know mm. to 10 decimal places, you can calculate the circumference of the Earth to a oh. precision of less than a millimeter. Wow. Right. If you calculate it to 32 decimal places, you can calculate the circumference of our Milky Way galaxy to the precision of the width of a hydrogen atom. Goodness me. You know, and so it goes on. So there's no practical reason for... Um, so they broke another record. So I remember talking to you a year ago where they broke a record of calculating it to the certain number of digits. Um, they've broken it again. Um, Swiss researchers to, what is it... 62 trillion, 831 billion, 8735,731,751,751,751,751,751,751,751,751,751,751,751,751,751,751,751,751,751,751,751,751,751,751,751,751,751,751,751,751,751,751,751,751,751,751,751,751,751,751,751,751,751,751,751,751,751,751,751,751
You've sent me through a link to the audio. I'm I'm sitting at home in my kitchen at the moment, uh, Sarah, not in the studio because of quarantining, and uh, so I can't play it on air. But uh, thank you. I will have a listen to it anyway, and uh, when I get back in the studio in a week, I, I might give it a go. Yeah, look, it's um, it's about 27 seconds, the little the first little snippet I found on YouTube, so you might dig around right. and find more. Um, yeah. And if you're a particular musical geek, there is a much more detailed discussion of the musical theory behind each track if you want to go into depth. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, all right, depending yeah, on how like mathematically pie. inclined you are. Yes. yes. <laughs> Thank you and for that. And perhaps by the end of your seven days of quarantine, you might be, you know, <laughs> delving a bit more into it. Matthew. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I might be uh, crazy on maths. Good on you, Sarah. Thank you so much for all of that. Very interesting as always. Uh, Love these chats and uh, appreciate your time. You're welcome. Thanks, Matthew. Thank you. Sarah Brooker there from Science in Public on a few different uh, and interesting points in the world of science. It's uh, fantastic. 5AA Nights with Matthew Pantelis.